The information provided on this podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general informational purposes only. Today we have Pam Cato and Dr. Rick Mitchell from DBBI talking about the services they provide and providing us with a ton of information about school, employment, assistance technology. Listen up, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. So welcome to Rights Here, Rights Now, the podcast about disability advocacy and activism. I'm your host, Valerie. And I'm your advocate host, Laura Sinclair. Every two weeks, we dig into relevant issues, current events, and avenues avenues for self-advocacy. Because someone has to. And it might as well be us. This podcast is produced by the Disability Law Center of Virginia, the Commonwealth's Protection and Advocacy Agency for Disability Rights. Find out more at dlcv.org. Before we jump in, let's check out Disability in the News. Today, August 23rd, is the opening day of the Paralympics. They will be held in Tokyo and start August 24th at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Over 4,000 athletes from over 160 countries are participating, and this will be the biggest ever Paralympic Games. You can watch the Paralympics on NBCOlympics.com and the NBC Sports app. This year, there will be over 22 sports, from rowing to cycling, sitting volleyball, and wheelchair tennis. For the first time, badminton and taekwondo have been added to the Paralympic Games. The Paralympic Games will be hosted over the next 13 days in Tokyo. 234 athletes from Team USA will be competing in the Tokyo Games, including 129 retiring Paralympians and six guides for those who are visually impaired. We hope you turn in and we can't wait to see what happens. Uh, good morning, Pam. Thank you for being here. Dr. Rick Mitchell, thank you for being here. They are from DBI, and we have some questions we would like you to answer and clarify some um, myths about. So um, I'm not sure who will answer this, but um, can you tell me what is the purpose of DBBI? Okay, um, let me, I'll take that question. Um, the purpose of DBBI is probably wrapped up best in our mission statement, where it says that DBBI is an agency of the Commonwealth of Virginia that is dedicated to its mission of providing services and resources to Virginians that are blind, vision impaired, and deafblind to achieve their desired level of employment, education, and personal independence. And we do that through, uh, we have two divisions. We have the services division that I'm the deputy commissioner over. And then we have our enterprise division. And let me just give you a brief uh, description of the enterprise division. They are focused on actually creating employment opportunities for Virginians that are blind and vision impaired and deafblind 
Uh, and they do that through their two manufacturing plants. One is in Richmond and one is in Charlottesville. They also do that through a number of retail stores, food service operations and contract management uh, positions that are located throughout the state. Um, and then the services division that I can certainly speak a great deal to, but let me just um, give you a quick overview of our service division. Uh, we have our vocational rehabilitation program uh, that Pam is our director of. Uh, we also in there have our business relations um, program, which really is providing services to business as well as the individuals we serve um, and rehab teaching independent living uh, really directs its services towards helping people achieving, being able to live independently through activities of daily living and personal home management. Um, then we'll have our education services program that really provides services from birth through high school graduation or age 21. Um, and they are really more of a uh, work in a consultative type of service, whether it's to various um, community programs that are working with children and youth or uh, to the actual school system itself. And then we can, um, we'll also have our um, low vision program, which really gets into using magnification for people that have low vision. Um, and we'll do that through a team of low vision doctors as well as our staff, uh, determining what are the best types of magnifiers for uh, individuals to be able to use uh, to enhance their vision to the uh, highest level possible. Our orientation and mobility program will teach people how to use the long white cane and travel independently uh, using um, the white cane. Then we'll have our rehab technology program that provides um, services to uh, in assistive technology uh, is the best way to describe that. And, you know, we're probably very familiar with programs like JAWS, which is a speech uh, program for people that are blind, ZoomText, image enlarging, uh, scanners that will scan documents and then read them back out. Uh, we can also get into electronic magnifications such as CCTVs and uh, the like. Um, our deafblind program provides the unique services to individuals that are deafblind. Um, and then our the Virginia Rehabilitation Center for the Blind and Vision Impaired is a um, center-based program. I, I call it basically, a, anyway, it's almost like somebody, it's, it's a program that's on steroids or it's your fast track uh, way to gain skills of blindness. People can come there. We have a residential facility uh, with 34 beds. Uh, people can come and stay, or for those people that are local, we'll also do it as a commuter program where people will come Monday through Friday, eight hours a day, and receive the various training to help them to be able to achieve, you know, in, in employment, uh, educational goals, as well as personal independence. And then finally, we have our library and resource center, which provides uh, talking books, recorded uh, books for uh, pleasure reading, They'll also provide um, braille textbooks and large print textbooks to the school systems. So these 10 different programs that fall in the services division really does help individuals uh, achieve their personal level of their desired level of you know, employment, education, 
and uh, personal independence. Wow, so you have covered a lot of ground. It's amazing to think about all the many resources that you have available and the fact that you can just share them all like that with us tells us just how much more there must be on top of that. Um, so these services sound amazing. Who is eligible to participate in these services with DBVI? Any individual that is having difficulty with their vision is certainly eligible and eligibility criteria for each of the programs are a little different. Uh, it is based upon the vision of the individual as well as functional limitations that the person may have. And so what I've always told people, I've been with the agency now for going on 36 years. And what I've always told people is don't assume that you're not eligible. If you're having problems with your vision, please call us, uh, please reach out to us and we will determine um, you know, if you're eligible for our services. And even for a person that isn't eligible, that's experiencing a deteriorating eye condition, they may not be eligible at the moment, but we can certainly let them know about the services that will be eligible to them once you know, their vision reaches certain thresholds and they start having some more functional limitations. Okay, thank you for that information. So I know you talked about um, the services you provide. Um, can you um, um, explain how would one um, apply for these services um, with CBVI? Yes, uh, there's two ways to do it. Um, we've tried to make it very easy. They can go to our agency webpage, which is vdbvi.org. So Virginia Department Blind Vision Impaired, VDBVI. Org, and on that first page you come to, there's a link that's apply now. And uh, it's just basic information. The person has to put down their name, contact information, where they live. And it's important to indicate where they live uh, because we have six different regional offices across the state. And so they can, um, once we know where they live, then we'll refer them to the appropriate office. Uh, also, let me give you an 800 number, uh, eight. It's 800-622-2155. Again, that's 1-800-622-2155. And if you call that number, they'll ask, the operator will ask you, you know, where you live and then they will connect you to the regional office. Uh, and our six regional offices are, let me start down in far Southwest Virginia. You have Bristol, Roanoke, Stanton, Fairfax, Richmond and Norfolk. And each of those regional offices cover actually a very large territory, but um, the once you reach out to that office, we have an intake specialist in each office. They will reach out to the individual that is needing services, ask some basic information, determine you know what type of programs they may need, whether it's our rehab teaching, if it's somebody that's just looking for you know, being able to live more independently in the home. If they're interested in employment, uh, they would then be referred to their voca the vocational rehab program and a vocational rehabilitation counselor would call them. Or if it's someone that uh, maybe an infant or a someone in, still in school system, then they would be referred to our education program. And oftentimes an individual may be referred to multiple programs all at the same time. Um, just a quick follow-up question mm -hmm. to that. Um, how long would that process take for someone to put in the application and then 
for someone to uh, reach out to them? How long? Reach at a minimum, um, 15 days. Um, okay. But our, historically across our um, offices, staff tend to reach out very quickly, um, especially the intake um, specialists. They tend to reach out within the same week that they get that call. Thank you. So for folks who are newly diagnosed and really aren't sure what to expect when they approach DBVI or they apply for services, what kinds of services might one have access to or experience in the early days when everything might be new or someone's unsure what even to ask for? Where does mm -hmm. someone start? Okay, they start with that intake specialist and across the state, all of our intake specialists have been around for uh, a number of years. So they're good at just talking with the person, uh, giving them some basic information. And often we, we will start with the rehab teacher um, it, it's really though dependent upon the, um, the situation, uh, who will be the first person to reach out because all of our staff certainly know all of our different resources and what is available. So if somebody, for example, let's say it's, um, a 70 year old, um, that is experiencing macular degeneration, um, which is a very common eye condition in someone in our older population they would then probably be referred to a rehab teacher um, initially. But if it's somebody that is still working and let's say that they're 35, 40 years old and maybe they're, they're working somewhere in the information technology um, area, they would be referred first to the vocational rehab counselor because oftentimes somebody that is working, you know, that's their first concern and they want to be able to maintain that job. And so we would come in with all the various programs and resources that we have to ensure that that person is able to maintain their employment and gain whatever skills that they need um, to be able to continue working because it's much easier to keep somebody in a job and working uh, than necessarily, you know, having to go back out and start all over new with a new employer. Uh, thank you for that. Um, so I heard you mention earlier about um, assistive technology. Uh, yes. Could you please let us know, um, is there any assistive technology training? Yes, um, we do that in, in a number of different ways. In our field offices, we have a number of, we call them computer tutors. They are basically independent contractors with us, but we have screened them to make sure that they understand the various software, whether it's JAWS, ZoomText, OpenBook um, for scanning, that they have the necessary skills and understanding of that program so that they can teach somebody else. But not only do they need to understand that, the, the assistive technology and how it works, they also have to have good uh, and teaching skills. And so, you know, they're evaluated. And then once the person is evaluated and make sure that they have the necessary skills, then they're placed on our, what we call our computer tutor network. And then the regional offices can reach out to the various tutors and contract with them. Uh, those tutors will go into the home uh, and teach people, um, and, but they'll also do it uh, via uh, virtual means as well, because especially with COVID over the last year, um, that was the primary way of instructing uh, individuals to learn how to use this 
assistive technology. And we have found it to be very effective that the person can even do that through uh, virtual means and teach people um, you know, the assistive technology. Again, if you're interested in learning though on a faster uh, method, you can come to our, the Virginia Rehabilitation Center for the Blind and Vision Impaired and receive training as well. If it's just assistive technology though that the person is needing, uh, then they would need to function as a commuter student because it, since it is a uh, eight hour program um, a day, you know, we're not able to teach people eight hours a day, um, just assistive technology, they need to be in other classes as well at the center. But um, we, we have two ways of doing it, at the center or um, through our tutor network as well. You just spoke a lot about the different kinds of assistive technology training you offer. And I'm curious to know about employment. Um, how do clients receive AT that can help them on the job? And are they trained on the job with someone alongside them or do they prepare ahead of time? Or what are maybe even some examples of ways that people have um, figured out accommodations to help them do their work using AT? The way we will do that is through our, I mentioned earlier, one of our programs is the Rehabilitation Technology uh, Program. And we have four rehab um, technology specialists across the state. Uh, and what they will do is if it's an employment situation, they will go in and actually evaluate um, the, um, what, what is needed and then make the recommendations as far as the equipment goes. And then once the equipment arrives, then we switch over, I mentioned our tutor network. We will then switch over to the tutor and the tutor will provide training to that individual on how to use the assistive technology. So it's really a dual approach uh, using multiple resources that we have. All right, thank you for that information. The services that you um, have available, are they available to high school students? Yeah, okay, so I'll take that question. Um, absolutely, the um, DBVI Vocational Rehabilitation Program will, can start working with students um, at age 14. So um, that's usually right at that um, freshman in, in high school. Um, thank you for that. Um, so are you, um, just a follow up to um, understand this. So they're not available like for middle school children that's, that's only high school. Yes, yeah, starting at age 14. So again, in our agency, we do have educational services, as Dr. Mitchell mentioned, um, to, to help liaison and work. But um, resources through the vocational rehabilitation program, when we start talking about preparing for employment, starts at age 14. Okay, thank you for that clarification, Pam. So when people are ready to prepare for employment, you know, you've mentioned different types of AT, you have different types of training. Um, what are specific skills that you find come up again and again that are really especially important to emphasize? And then how do, are you able to advocate on behalf of clients to employers? Um, I know that um, working with you all a little bit on the um, state council that you work really closely with businesses in the state to make room for jobs and um, for people who need help and who need career options. Um, and of course, to show, you know, what kind of value people bring to these jobs that employers can, can look for and hope for. So um, 
how do you help to prepare folks for employment and how do you work on the business side to make a, you know, a happy connection there? Sure. Um, let me ask a clarifying question, Laura. Are you talking specifically for the students that, that we were on or you just want overall in general how we help prepare for employment and interface with business? Um, you know, both. I think those are both great areas. For Thanks for defining them. Yeah. So why don't we start, you know, a lot of the services are similar, of course, both for students, youth and adults, but we have some great um, services available for our students that I think really help. Um, we talk about early and often working with students and, um, you know, indicators for employment success in adulthood. So we have something um, within our VR program called Pre-Employment Transition Services that are a big focus for, for students. So these are going to be for young people aged 14 to 21. Um, if they're still in high school, we can provide these services through age 22. Um, and those things are things like, you know, job exploration counseling, really helping, you know, the, the student understand, you know, what career fields and career paths and things are most interested in and would like to learn more about, right? Um, we absolutely provide work-based learning experiences. So, you know, this can be um, paid or unpaid. It can be volunteer. It can be after school. It can be during the summer. That's one of those indicators that's so critical for employment success in adulthood. So that's a big focus. Um, our VR counselors certainly provide counseling opportunities for what's going to happen, you know, post-secondary, right? So post-high school. So, you know, are there more educational programs? Is it college? Is it credential training? And we really want to make sure we keep that at the forefront of the guidance and counseling the students receive. Um, a lot of our students, you know, need some type of workplace readiness training to help them develop those social skills. And again, focus on those independent living skills that Dr. You know, Mitchell mentioned. So, um, you know, that's really important. And then another key feature is instruction and self-advocacy, helping our young people, helping our students know how to advocate for themselves, how to make choices for themselves, and then do that in an appropriate way that'll lead to success. So, you know, these, these are all things that we really focus on with, with, our, with our students. Now, certainly just because um, once they get a little older and they're out of school um, or, you know, they're considered a youth or an adult, we still can provide, you know, great job exploration counseling, great work-based learning opportunities and all of those things. But, but we certainly, for our students, emphasize that early. Um, students and adults, of course, have access to the full range of VR services that might be necessary to help them prepare for and achieve employment. You, you asked about, you know, our work with businesses. We have a business um, relations team. And uh, I think Dr. Mitchell said this, you know, one of their primary uh, roles is engaging with business, knowing what opportunities, building connections, and um, developing relationships so that when we have someone, you know, in our on our job seekers and our pipeline will we'll have relationships ready to go. Um, but they also work directly with our counselors and the individuals served by the VR program to, again, provide information on labor market, um, what education or training or credentials are required for a specific goal, um, and then to help prepare um, them along 
with the counselor and, and you know, interviewing skills, right? And um, we talk a lot about how do you present yourself um, an initial meeting, you know, that first chance to make a good first impression. So all types of things our business team does um, to really help develop those opportunities and um, help individuals best represent themselves to the employers. Thank you for that. Um, so finally, um, I just would like to know, as far as higher education, the traditional higher education, what does the services look like for the training and the vocational? Um, can you um, tell me more about that? Sure. So I think one thing that's always important to know is um, all of our services are very individualized. So if someone... Um, works with their counselor, everyone works with their counselors and they kind of talk about, you know, what is it, what is that goal? What, you know, what are we trying to achieve here employment wise? And then together they can explore um, additional education training that may be necessary to achieve that goal, right? And so, you know, for one person, um, you know, that wants to work in the accounting field, well, they're going to need at a minimum, maybe a bachelor's in accounting. So we're going to be talking about perhaps some college training. Um, for the next person, you know, they may be really interested in some of the STEM and IT related fields that might include college. It may also include credentials. You know, businesses are telling us what they want are these IT credentials, and that's really important. So we're going to help them map out what their training program and or other education would look like. Um, we also have other, um, what I call more of that traditional vocational training. You know, somebody wants a career in logistics. You know, we have some great vocational training programs that we can um, target for them. So it's very individualized, depends on the goal. They'll work with their counselor and, um, you know, again, determine what is the best path to help them achieve, you know, their success. And let me just add, um, I, as I said earlier, I've been around for about 36 years, started out with the agency as a VR counselor. And back, you know, then I, I knew pretty much that having a college education was certainly the way that someone would be able to achieve, you know, being able to live independently, you know, having a good income. But in the last few years, as Pam talked about, certainly the credentials are something else that we are now looking at because oftentimes someone can pursue, you know, a very specific credential and be able to achieve uh, a a really good paying job without necessarily having to necessarily go through um, a, a, obtaining a college degree. Mm -hmm. So um, it's certainly the, and we see that, you know, the information we get out of the governor's office as well as through the workforce um, development board. Um, a lot of it is talking about credentials in these high demand occupations. And so we have certainly looking at a lot of different career pathways. Uh, and historically, for people that are blind and vision impaired, you, you had to pursue a college degree uh, if you wanted to have a really good paying job. But the, the playing field is changing. And so we're certainly adapting to that as well. Oh, I was just gonna piggyback on that to say, we want people to have the information to make the best choices. And sometimes we don't know what we don't know. And so that's why focusing first on, you know, 
with the end and start with the end, right? And in the beginning. So where do we want to be? You know, what is the best fit for us as far as a career goal? And then what's the path to get there? And sometimes it's not what, what we initially thought it might be. Um, but we're open to what is going to best set that individual up to be successful. And we have resources to do that, which is, I think, one of my favorite things about the VR program. I love that you all seem to cover, you know, so many different kinds of services that all really interconnect, right? Like it's, it's hard to serve someone if you're really isolating one part and then everyone's doing different isolated parts and you all really seem to weave together, you know, a a full step from entry into services all the way through training, helping with education, helping to find job placement with local businesses. Um, It, it seems like you must have a lot of collaboration with all sorts of different agencies. Like I know Dr. Mitchell just mentioned working with workforce development boards. Um, You know, who are some partners you work with that you feel together you're able to especially advocate for the needs of your clients who receive your services? You want me to take that one, Rick? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so yeah, we have lots of, community partners and other state agency partners that we work with. And, you know, I would say for individuals that experience, you know, a variety of disabilities, we, we've really enhanced our, our um, working collaboratively with DARS, um, with the General Vocational Rehabilitation Agency for those individuals. So that that's a partnership that I think is critical because we each bring, even though we're full VR programs, we bring, um, different skill sets and, and, and um, abilities together. So I think we, we have a lot of success there. Um, we work with the American Job Centers, you know, the career work centers um, around the state. Um, again, I think it's important to know that those services are available for all Virginians that are job seeking. And so we are working collaboratively to make, collaboratively, uh, to make sure um, that, that the individuals that, um, are blind, vision impaired, and deafblind have access to those services. Um, I, you know, I can't stress enough our partnerships with our businesses. You know, we have a um, we participate again with ours with the federal job club, and people are getting just amazing jobs um, with the federal government. We have state employment initiatives. We're working again with other state agencies and, and their HR departments and hiring. Um, so you know, one, one focus we have this year is looking at registered apprenticeships in Virginia and, um, you know, working with the Department of Labor and Industry there. So um, it, it definitely doesn't serve us or the folks that we um, work with to be siloed. You know, we, we definitely try to understand what all the resources are and, um, you know, work within that system. Uh, thank you so much for that information. Uh, but one more time, can you please provide the um, your contact information um, to the um, audience, to the listening audience, so they know how to contact you if they should need you? Our toll-free number is 800-622-2155. Again, 800-622-2155. And our web address is um, vdbvi.org, Virginia Department Blind Vision Impaired. So it's vdbvi.org and there's a link there that says apply now. 
Thank you for that information. And thank you so much for coming onto our podcast and give the listening audience some amazing information and resources they can um, follow up with. Thank you for having us and it was our pleasure. Yes, thank you. And now a DLCB highlight. Doradis has been involved in the political process since she was old enough to vote. She avidly follows the candidates and issues. Gladys has a developmental disability and communicates with a computer device. She needs help with daily activities and making medical decisions. Her mom and sister help her with these things. Her mom became her guardian when they lived in another state, and when the family moved to Virginia, the guardianship transferred here. Nobody in her family knew that in Virginia, you lose your right to vote when a guardian is appointed because that was not true in the state where she knew from. Gladys was devastated when she found out. Her mom and sister tried to file a petition in court to get her voting rights restored, but they could not navigate the process alone. They reached out to DLCD, and with the help of the DLCD attorney, Gladys got her voting rights restored last week. Once again, I would like to thank Pam Cato and Dr. Rick Mitchell for providing this information. Yeah, and um, they they are just so full of knowledge, so many resources. Navigating any big agency like that can seem really intimidating, especially if it's a new need, but the folks at DBVI are just over and over. We hear nothing but good things about what they do, and um, working with them on the state council, I can tell you that behind the scenes, they work really hard too. So that centennial celebration they were talking about that runs for the year, um, the first event that they had, they played all sorts of cool messages from the governor, um, all sorts of public officials thanking them for their work, and even a couple of really cool stories of people who went through Virginia DBVI and have gone on to start their own businesses um, to support the very same people that use those services. So for sure, check out their website, um, check out those upcoming events so that you can participate in some of the excitement around what they do and how much we appreciate them. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Rights Here, Rights Now, brought to you by the Disability Law Center of Virginia. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. If you need assistance or want more information about DLCB and what we do, visit us online at dlcb.org. Follow us on Twitter at DisabilityLawVA and share us with your friends. Until next time, I'm Laura Sinclair. And I'm Valerie Jones. And this has been Rights Here, Rights Now.